but we don't actually empower youth. It, youth empowers themselves. We just give them the tools and and accessories essentially that they need in order to be able to do that. You know, I keep stressing and, and they eventually learn from each other as well that collectively their actions can make an impact. In education, you really have to not only have a lot of empathy, but you have to understand the people that you're talking to, your students. I think it's really important to kind of, whenever discussing climate change, whenever communicating the urgency of the matter, to try to contextualize it. You know, focus on yourself and you will inspire people naturally. That will happen organically, but you focus on yourself, you start doing the things that you know will take to make our world a better place. That, that, that's, that's all that's needed. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's great to have you here with us, Naza. My name is Anto Mohsen. Joining me today is Asma Nakib, a Northwestern University journalism junior, who's also a part of the science journal team. Perhaps as a start, if you could please tell us about yourself. Sure, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Naza Alakija. I run my um, foundation called the Sage Foundation. Uh, we find, fund, and empower grassroots movements, um, focusing on three pillars: um, women and girls education, environmentalism, and um, and education. Um, I also work with UNICEF as an advisor, so I'm on ground with them quite a lot. Great, great. So maybe we'll talk a bit about one of those uh, areas that you mentioned. Of course. Um, let's start with girls' education. Okay. Um, what have you been uh, doing, the activities that you've been involved in, in, um, I, I think, increasing or uh, ensuring that girls worldwide uh, receive education, especially uh, in your role or capacity as a UNICEF advisor? Sure. Um, so uh, let me, I'll tell you first, I didn't actually start with a focus on women and girls mm -hmm. at all. Like, initially, when I launched the foundation, my goal was to predominantly focus on building climate resilient cities in developing nations because what we were seeing is that a lot of um, a lot of the aid that we were deploying was actually being unraveled um, over time because as a result of climate change and we you know women and girls were one of it's very intersectional with environmentalism I see right the more female leaders um, that you have within communities and even you know within politics you see that there is uh, there's an a deeper inclination to 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 care about the environment and to, and to have policies around environment. Right. Um, so that was it, that's where it actually came from and it stemmed from and um, and yeah, the, you know, a lot of the, the our focus around that is ensuring that girls at least have access to the education first and foremost in order to become those leaders in order order to become change makers. Um, and yeah, and you know, one of the uh, things that I was talking to you about before we started the podcast was the Afghan robotics team. Right. Um, these girls are serious change makers. They are, you know, they're all leaders in their own right and they're very, very passionate. And, you know, a lot of their work was actually utilizing, for example, at the start of the pandemic, they were taking um, old vehicle parts and, and turning them into ventilators to, to support their province. Amazing. So you can see how, how the, the creativity, you know, I mean, I would personally never think of something like that, but, you know, the creativity, from, uh, you know, from a perspective of a young girl 
what can we use to to support and um yeah that's that's one of the things that we've done that's great all right so um let me then turn uh the to the initial focus of the foundation which is uh climate resilience or climate education uh, climate related um issues can you tell a little bit more uh what um is the foundation involved in as far as uh, climate um, issues is concerned of course so one of the things that we have noticed is uh, first of all in, in certain parts of the world there's very little access to information around environmentalism and and the contextual issues that they can you know how they can essentially support um and and, and improve the you know improve the their Conditions. environment and yeah. their initiatives right um so you know one of the things that is very important to us is providing is ensuring that there is that education around environmentalism there is that uh, you know that support around um bringing them towards nature towards community so they have a deeper relationship with it i see one of the projects that we've worked on is in cote d'ivoire uh, where uh, an organization called green ivory they've mobilized a large number of students they take them into into certain parts where there's um you know the forest areas and and they support them with um you know building relationships with nature in order for them to actually as i said build a deeper relationship with it yeah. and these are the children that are going to be essential for for building this um this resiliency and this um in response to climate change exactly i see so in cote d'ivoire since the 1960s they've lost i think around 14 million hectares of forest So in order for you know for us to be able to preserve the last 2 million hectares that's left right the youth is going to be the solution right right so how do we mobilize them first you build a deeper relationship with them deeper understanding what are the contextual problems right how do we encourage you how do we because they have all the solutions it's really about giving them the tools to be able to empower themselves i see i see oh so this is uh, the vast inequalities that uh, you were talking about in your previous panel here at the white summit this morning sure i see and so uh one of the solutions uh from what i heard you just share with us is empowering uh youth well we don't actually empower youth It, youth empowers themselves so, we just give them the tools and and accessories essentially that they need in order to be able to do that great what kind of tools i wonder education right so giving them for example the knowledge these are the kind of saplings or seeds that you can plant in this forest and they will thrive because you don't want to you know you don't want to just plant any yeah, any kind exactly. of plant yeah you know the environment needs to be so this is the thing with environmentalism right it's contextual right there's not a one solution fits for all right so it's really providing them with that education with these tools for them to be able to take that and and, and do something with it that's great Now in light of what um uh, happened uh, recently the COP26 meeting that took place in Glasgow um are these kind of solutions being discussed or even uh considered as as part of the solutions by uh, world leaders uh were uh, I I I know there are some youth uh, climate activists who uh attended the meeting as well or attempted to attend the meetings uh they have uh, had some barriers to participate fortunately uh, but are some of the groups youth that you work with um, pre- present in the meeting i wonder 
I have very strong feelings towards COP26. Oh, please share. Please share. No, look, COP26. I think it's it's not a secret. It was it was a disappointment yeah. because when you you know as as I'm sure that you're aware when you work with it you know within environmentalism you you, you get a little bit frustrated because you know, I don't understand where why there is no urgency on on some part of you know um, world leaders. Right. And. Yeah, essentially, we need to be opening the doors or giving space or giving platforms right. to youth to be able to participate, to talk about the solutions that right. we need. Right. And I also think that a lot of the time we're focusing on so many things. So, okay, how do we, you know, how do we reduce our carbon emissions? How do we reduce plastic? There's so much to environmentalism as opposed to trying to fix every single problem. Focus on one, right. and that the, 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 our number one goal right now is to limit global warming below 1.5 degrees, degrees Celsius. Celsius. And you know that that is, if we go over this, is I mean, we it looks like the projection is showing that we are going to go over that, yeah. which means environmental catastrophe, right. which was going to make it impossible to do anything else. Right. How do we encourage or how do we bring youth leaders to the table? That have solutions right. towards towards doing things like this. Right, and and I agree. Many uh, share uh, the same sentiment that you just mentioned. Uh, COP26 was a disappointment. Uh, it seems that you know those who came and met there uh, could not really understand the sense of urgency that many have been voicing about climate change. Absolutely. And and some youth climate activists I mentioned uh, before uh, who were there or attempted to voice um, uh, their uh, concerns, uh, proposals, solutions, or urgency. You know, some of them were heard, but uh, I don't know if they were really taken uh, seriously into consideration. And focusing on one solution, I like that idea. Mm -hmm. uh, I happened to teach a course just finished this semester at Northwestern University called Energy, Environment, and Society, and one of the topics that we covered is climate change um, and to tell my students that we can actually do something about it not wait for their governments or, or world leaders or, or the world the UN for example uh, do something about it uh, I try to show them that they can take one step whatever that may be absolutely uh, to help uh, address climate change Absolutely. Uh, because many uh, initially thought that their individual action may not matter but um, you know I keep stressing and, and they've eventually learned from each other as well that collectively uh, their actions can make an impact absolutely in the world yeah and uh, yeah and, and you know one of the things that I will say is that if, if every single person thought like that you know, oh, my my actions are not going to be. It's okay. It's just one plastic cup, or it's what. All of this collectively adds up. There's billions of us on the planet, so right. you know, every single action does count, and it does make a difference. Correct. And you will be very surprised what one person is capable of accomplishing. Exactly. And how can we scale this up? How can we inform the world? that their individual action uh, addressing climate change matters because collectively then it will ripple and, and, and make greater impacts. Absolutely. And perhaps uh, drawing from your experience with your foundation, uh, your role as a UNICEF advisor, um, uh, you can tell a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, I actually met, um, interesting, I met a tribe from the Amazon um, a, a month or so ago who we did a campaign with running up to COP26. And, you know, I sat with them and I was, you know, I was rambling. I was telling them, I was like, this is unjust, this is unfair. I was very frustrated, right? And, you know, they're, they're such a joyful tribe. Everything about their culture and heritage translates to joy. And one of the things that they said to me was Naza. We have a saying in, in Portuguese um, that, that goes like this, this hope dies last, mm. right? And they're so hopeful. And there's, despite everything that they've gone through, despite what, is, what they're seeing is happening to their, to their environment and to their habitat, they are the most single joyful group of people that I've met um, in my work so far. And even within communities that I've worked in, people are so resilient, right? It's that, it's that sense of resiliency that, that's really inspired me. Right, right. And, um, and also, you know, I, I don't think there's, there's a solution to say, okay, let, how do we mobilize everybody? It's, you know, focus on yourself and you will inspire people naturally. That will happen organically. But you focus on yourself, you start doing the things that you know will take to make our world a better place. That, that, that's, that's all that's needed. And then everybody else starts to follow in your footsteps. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, especially <laughs> <laughs> in my role as an instructor. I'm um, sure. <laughs> uh, at times I feel like, oh my God, there's so many problems that we're facing in the world right now, climate change being one of them, right? It's so big, so complex. How can we help address it? Um, uh, yes, raising awareness, but also, uh, I believe, encouraging all students um, in my class, in other classes as well, uh, the idea that their actions matter uh, and that they can collectively make a better impact uh, to the world is, is uh, something that you know, I you know, hold on to really tightly. Absolutely. Now, because um, both of us are from uh, media school, uh, communication is one of the majors that we offer, uh, and, and science communication is one of the topics that we study, we talked about, we learn. Um, I was wondering if you could also say a little bit more about uh, climate change and communication. You know, how can we communicate uh, the crisis uh, better? Uh, how can we communicate the urgency that we uh, are facing with climate change issues better uh, or even communicating um, some of the things that you've already said uh, right. you know this this uh, solutions that we can uh, help you know uh, educating groups and, and youth and, and communities and um, uh, telling everyone that they matter their action can matter yeah of course i think one of the m most important things for me is is the ability to have empathy with whatever work not just around climate but any work that you're doing i'll tell you a story when i first started my foundation one of the things that we noticed in nigeria was there was a serious lack of access to materials that that, that promoted you know environmentalism and so on and so forth so, you know, we were going from school to school to have these, um, you know, uh, conversations with the, with the classes and see how we could help, how we could support. Right. And the first school I ever went to, there was a young girl that was sitting at the back of the room. I'll never forget her. And she was, she, she had her arms crossed and she was very hostile. And I thought, oh, oh no. <laughs> and, oh, you know. Oh, res not, not reserved, but hostile. Hostile, very hostile, <laughs> you know. And she had her arms crossed the whole time I was speaking. And at the end, I asked, is there, is there anybody that would like, an, like to ask a question? 
And of course, naturally, she was the first person that put her hand up. I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble right now. <laughs> and, and, you know, she stood up and, and she said, you know, with all due respect, because one of the fundamental problems in Lagos, for example, is that a lot of plastic is thrown on the street right. or, in, or in sewage systems. or in, And when, when it floods, it, 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 it blocks the It blocks the, drain, the drainage. It blocks, yeah. And, um, and so she gets up and she says, with all due respect, I'm not concerned about recycling plastic i'm just trying to get home without getting raped and that was one of those lines that I, you know i can never forget what she said to me I, I, and you know I, i still get goosebumps thinking about it but that's when i realized it's you know climate change is such a contextual issue that it's not something that i can go and say here are the materials you have to be able to communicate and empathize with the people living in that community. Wow, so yeah. you learn from them and you can t take, you know, take lessons from them too, because it's a, it's a mutual, not, it's not a monolithic conversation. And, and yeah, so for me, I think going back to your question, the fundamental um, thing that we really need to focus on is empathy and being able to listen to others because it's not always us that, that has the solutions. That's very insightful. Don't you think so, Asma? I think it's absolutely insightful. I think it's wonderful because in education, you really have to not only have a lot of empathy, but you have to understand the people that you're talking to, your students. Absolutely. Um, like I'm, I'm also like a tutor at the writing center of my university, and it's also contextualized and individualized. Like each individual has a different story, and you have to work with them in a different way. So I think it's really important to kind of, um, whenever discussing climate change and whenever whenever communicating the urgency of the matter, to try to contextualize it. I think it's a great idea. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I wonder if um, this contextualizations of climate uh, crisis, climate issues, um, are still in balance. I mean, the knowledge of it, you know, the knowledge of how we need to communicate with different groups, different societies all over the world are still in balance. And, that perhaps uh, is, is part of the, the problems that we're facing right now? And if so, how might we uh, address it in the future? Absolutely. Um, so one of the fundamental problems with philanthropy and aid today is the fact that you know, a lot of these bigger institutions believe that academics and you know, people sitting in ivory towers are, are, are the people that have the solutions, right? And that's not necessarily the case. This goes back to our previous point, empathy. Right. Being able to, you know, speak to people on the ground. So this is why my foundation predominantly focuses on partnering with grassroots movements. So how do we support? And I, and I believe that's where our solutions lie. Yeah. Getting on the ground, speaking with grassroots movements and not necessarily expecting them to succeed every time. Right. Because just like a business investment, you're not going to succeed with every single investment that you make. Right. 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 So I think the importance is, is get on the ground support grassroots movements, support people that are getting to the root of the problem, and support people that are working intersectionally. Right. So they're not just focusing on a singular thing. Right. All of our, all, every single humanitarian issue that we have today is intersectional. Education, environmentalism, public health, it is all related to one another. Yes, gender issues perhaps also. Gender issues, all of it. So if we are, if, we, if we're truly passionate about solving our problems, we need to look at things holistically not just one singular problem.
Oh, I really love that. You know, even though I, I work at the so-called ivory tower, but I really yeah. like what you said, <laughs> and and I couldn't agree more. Oh no, sorry, it's an academic. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> because I I also realize. I mean, um, uh, we don't always have the answers, and, and no one group in particular necessarily has all the answers. But working together, I believe we can um, help address uh, some of the biggest challenges that we're facing right now. One hundred percent, and you know, I think humanity. In some parts of the world, we've become so ignorant and arrogant because yeah. of our capabilities with technology. Right. And sometimes it's just a very simple solution. Yeah. There's there's no technological, you know, advance. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be quite simple. Right. As long as it's built that support and resiliency. Yeah. In terms of environmentalism that we're looking to looking to support. Right. Now, I guess in the last part of our uh, uh, conversation here, if, if you don't mind, uh, we'd like to know what attracted you to philanthropy, you know, uh, philanthropic work. I understand that you studied uh, a STEM field, right, uh, as, as, a, um, as an undergrad mm -hmm. uh, at the University of Manchester. What attracted you to the kind of work that you're doing right now? Well, you know, it's quite a personal story, but I, of course I'm happy to share it with you. I, you know, I was, I was born in Iran, um, I was an immigrant, and we moved to the UK at the age of nine. And um, and that was challenging for me. I didn't have a very easy childhood, um, and you know. But at the same time, I realized how uh, privileged and, and supported I was growing up. You know, I had an extremely supportive family who encouraged me to go to school, um, and simultaneously, I had access to services like education and public health in the UK. Right. So I know what that did for me, and I know you know where I am today. I give a lot of credit to towards my education, towards the things that I've, you know, that I've had access to. So I, you know, I, I want other people to have that. I, you know, and now, I, now I'm in a place that I can do that. And, you know, why not? And I, to be honest, I don't understand why people wouldn't. Like, if you have the ability, if you have a platform, I don't understand why people wouldn't use it. I see. I see. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Naza. That was really wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure having you here. It has been a very insightful conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank Absolutely. you for having me. Yeah. And thank you. We'd like to thank you, Y Summit, again, for facilitating this conversation. Uh, and it was uh, really wonderful, uh, this event that I've attended twice in the past before because it's uh, being held uh, biannually. And, and thankfully, uh, this year, uh, you know, it, it managed, the organizers managed to hold it both online and offline and uh, allow us to meet, you know, wonderful speakers such as yourself. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Science Journal Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website, sciencejournalqa.com, and follow us on Instagram at sciencejournal.qa. This episode of Science Journal was produced by Professor Anto Mohsen and his research assistants, Asma Nakib, Elissa Mifleh, and Ahmed Jassim. It was edited by Ahmed Jassim, Asma Nakib, and Elissa Mifleh. Graphics and artwork by Ahmed Jassim. This recording was done during the 2021 WISE Summit held at QNCC with the theme Generation Unmute, Reclaiming Our Future Through Education. The World Innovation Summit for Education is an initiative of Qatar Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization working in education, research, and community development. The biennial summit brings together a global community of innovators 
and education leaders active in 200 countries across the world. WISE is providing a global platform for the development of new ideas and solutions to the most pressing challenges in education. We would also like to thank Mr. Basim Hijazi, who facilitated this recording at the conference venue.